Greetings and salutations, everyone, and welcome to the anime podcast of some sort. This is an anime podcast, sort of. We talk anime, we talk games, we talk conventions, and we kind of occasionally deviate into other stuff, too. I'm David Majors. Some of you might already know me. This is my number one podcast of all of the ones that I do through everything with Delta Juliet Mike Media and DeltaJulietMike.com. This is my baby. This is my dream. And of course, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't dare do APOS and bring it back without my intrepid co-host, the one and only cosplayer and artist extraordinaire, Jack McAllister. Jackson, what is up? Man, so many things. Just just a great future up ahead for us, David. This is the year, of course, of the double crit. Remember, nerds, even though you might have rolled with disadvantage, you still got that nat 20. So let's roll forward and sally like forth. And there's just so much good stuff to talk about. And, you know, you talk about it several times in the past. I also just cannot imagine doing this kind of a podcast with anyone else. You know, you always come in with the right kind of energy and you are the king of podcasts. You know, you know what you're doing. And I'm ready to continue on with this soft reboot of the APOS. Shout out to Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters as we enter 2020. Now, just as a quick primer, I'll give all new listeners out there, anybody out there, the, the quick lore. I'm David. I like to make podcasts. It's, it's kind of my thing. Some people draw. Some people blog. Some people do cosplay. I like to make podcasts. Uh, as a man of many projects, anime podcasts of some sort has always kind of been my number one project. Uh, many, many moons ago, I was at a website called Anime3000.com, and they asked me to host the A3K podcast for a little bit, and I discovered a young man from Northern California by the name of Jack, and I said, you know, I think I want Jack to be my co-host, and we did, and we pressed on, and we did the A3K podcast for a little bit. Then, sometime in 2015, my apartment burned down, and I had to stop doing that podcast for a while. Then when I got my life back together, I decided, hmm, I think I still want to do an anime podcast. And I said to Jack, Jack, do you still want to be my co-host? Jack said yes. And here we are today. We've been doing this for half a decade. It's 2020 and we are entering our fifth year of doing the anime podcast of some sort, Jack. So again, thank you for joining me in this this wild and wacky endeavor. I, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, not a day goes by where I feel like I, I picked the right person in. I, I'm just I'm just extremely grateful and extremely excited to continue doing this show with you. Likewise, there is just no one else that, you know, has the same kind of level headed kind of discussion as we talk about nerdy things. And it's just it's the best. So I'm ready to to rush on in with that. As I've said, this is going to be what I think the beginning of a really interesting decade in animation and nerd stuff in general, because I mean, let's face it, folks. As we have said in the past, listeners might realize anime is pretty mainstream at this point. Lots of people, celebrities, parents love the stuff. It's everywhere. It's inevitable. It is ubiquitous. And it's going to be really interesting to see it move forward. But 
I have a feeling that will come up a lot as we discuss our talking points here. David? Yeah. Um, just for everybody out there, let's let's do a quick primer on you and I, Jack. Uh, I am uh, an anime fan now in my 30s. Uh, I was around for the the dark and dank 1990s. Uh, hashtag 90s kids. Shout out to the 90s kids out there. Uh, I went through the Toonami era, and here I am today as well. Uh, I grew up with 90s cartoons and I fell in love with anime uh, through a show that was on UPN on Sunday mornings called Technoman aka Techaman Blade uh, nowadays uh, now that I'm I'm in old age as some might say uh, f- for the millennials uh, us older millennials uh, I would say that I-, I grew gravitated towards sci-fi and mecha anime uh, my favorites are Ergo Proxy from 2006, a sort of heavy philosophical atmospheric sci-fi anime. Gundam 00 uh, of the entire Gundam franchise, which I enjoy just generally, uh, is the 2007 Gundam 00. And of course, from 2001, my beloved mech show, Razaphon. For all of you out there that love Neon Genesis Evangelion, watch Razaphon. It's better. <laughs> Period. That's not a not a hard bar to climb, in my personal opinion. But mm, if you didn't know that, then you, uh, you weren't listening to APOS. Well, we're welcoming you back anyway. Welcome. How yes. about you, Jack? Tell the fine folks about yourself. Oh, man. Well, uh, I I come from anime, and uh, you know, kind of almost being a part of my life you know, from the beginning, because I'm a little bit younger than you, I'm heading into my latter, um, you know, part of my 20s here. So things are kind of starting to peter out for me and stuff like that. But I've always been looking for stuff that was kind of, you know, challenging and all that sort of thing. I have a lot of manga. And I honestly think that a lot of my favorite stuff would classify closer to the manga side of things. Like, I love the entire works of Clamp. Uh, You know, some of them are a little bit weird. But I think Clamp, specifically Card Captors, stuff like that is, you know, probably some of my favorite series. And Death Note, of course, superior in the manga version. Uh, but on the anime side of things, I've always kind of enjoyed a mix of all sorts of stuff. Some weird, you know, stylist, stylistic stuff for the sake of looking different. Your your heat guy J's that, you know, keep it really classic and tropey in the anime, but also sort of do something unique on their own. Uh, but you know, my top three, I think that always stand the test of time that always, uh, you know, keep me rooted into why I love the medium are, uh, the stylish and action packed soul eater, which recently turned 10. That's always wild to think about. Uh, sayonara Zetsubo sensei, which is also very visually striking and quite possibly one of the most surreal and hilarious looks at mental illness in most media and full metal alchemist brotherhood you know i think that just it's it's a basic choice but i think it's you know it's it will constantly stand the test of time it will hold up against the borotos yeah opinion on the first full metal alchemist as well um decent pacing up until it breaks off from the from the manga and then it's some really really weird fan fiction i can't really vibe with I you know if you like it that 
that's totally fine. It's just not really something that I could hop on board with knowing how the manga went. But honestly, I think my preferred viewing is watch the first series up until it breaks from the manga and then find where that, you know, cuts off in Brotherhood and hop on there if you can. It's, uh, you know, they've all got they both got their strengths and weaknesses, I think, because, yeah, the pacing, uh, you know, kind of leading up in Brotherhood is sort of like, well, we've been here before, so let's just do the speed run. All right. And also, one more thing, everybody, I forgot to mention. I also really like Star Trek a lot, so if Star Trek pops up on the podcast, it's it's because I really like Star Trek. Uh, but moving on to the of some sort section of this podcast, uh, we are both big fans of not just anime, but animation as a medium as a whole. So we're going to take things westward. Uh, for me, like I said, I grew up right at the peak of the Toonami era, and I always felt like I, I was blessed to be a kid during the time where America got the DC animated universe, starting with Batman the Animated Series, moving to Superman and the new Batman Superman Adventures, and eventually coming to the masterpiece that was Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Uh, I think Cartoon Network for me in my teens, uh, whereas Nickelodeon was more for when I was a kid, I, I moved towards Cartoon Network. <laughs> I'm not much of a Disney guy, folks. Uh, I moved more towards <laughs> Cartoon Network uh, as I grew older and I feel like in the 2000s and into the 2010s uh, Cartoon Network was absolutely the place to be uh, they, they were a world to be to allow creators uh, just a giant playground where you would have uh, a show that really inspired me as well like regular show and uh, just to give a little bit of fan service just to the 90s kid deep down uh, because I love Sonic the Hedgehog as some of you might remember I do love me some Sonic the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog yes I'm talking about the French cartoon the syndicated cartoon not the Saturday morning ABC cartoon which was great it was just cut short and ended far too soon. But The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, the one that had the characters from Sonic 2, and that was a bit more wacky and goofy and cartoony that really, really appealed to my heart. And also it had Dr. Robotnik voiced by the late Long John Baldry, and, and he was fantastic. For, for everyone out there that knows the I hate that hedgehog meme. Oh, that, I just love that voice actor. That's that's where it comes from. He he was the guy. And blues singer. Blues singer. Yes. Noted blues singer. And yes, the adventures of Remarkable. Sonic the Hedgehog as well for my Sonic the Hedgehog Sega Genesis 90s kid soul. Jack, uh, for the western side of the world of animation, tell me some of yours. Well, uh it's it's surprising. Uh I do have couple Disney properties on here, but I'm pretty, I'm actually in the middle of writing an essay about why Disney is, <laughs> has always, always kind of been a bit of a pickle. But, uh, you know, I think that if you know me long enough, you'll probably go, uh, you know, you'll, you'll start to realize that one, uh, recent cartoon comes up quite possibly more than almost all the others combined. And that is the Disney channel series, 
by Alex Hirsch, Gravity Falls, a brilliant mystery, really exquisite. You know, it always stood out to me among most of the modern animation. Um, you know, it it stuck to, stuck to everything that they wanted to do with it. And yes, no, go ahead. I thought you were saying something. Nope, uh, I I I just find that. Um, you know, returning to it, I always find, you know, more details and more things to appreciate about it. And it so perfectly captures that atmosphere of a lazy, mystical summer where anything can happen. And, you know, if you haven't checked it out before, if people haven't, you know, viciously recommended it to you, you please check it out. Um, if you can maybe do so not on Disney Plus, because for some reason they decided that uh, the is the mason symbol on grunkle stan's fez which is a central thing for the entirety of the plot of the story you know without getting too spoilery into it but that plays a role in the entirety of the series they just decided nah nah it even though it doesn't look anything like a mason sign we gotta get rid of it so you know how very four kids of the uh, you know, but then again, Disney mm-hmm. was doing so, this long you know. before was long before four kids. So, yeah. 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 Like I said, keep an eye out for that, folks. You know, I'll plug my social at the end of this, but Disney is going to get it. Uh, but yeah, they've got the DVD set out finally. And there's all kinds of extras because Alex Hirsch and their, uh, the crew really, really care about giving you what they know fans want. That kind of thing on the Cartoon Network side of things. You know, there are a lot lot of contenders i think over all decades i think the amazing world of gumball is a fantastic testament of 2010s mm. animation mm. of what it could really really embody in uh, with technological strides and humor and everything but i gotta say my favorite has always gonna be the the 90s uh classic the powerpuff girls i think craig mccracken uh you know he's a fantastic artist, great cartoon uh, uh, visionary. You know, he later on developed Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, also for CN, and then hopped on to Disney to make the ill-fated wander over yonder. But, you know, always a pleasure to watch that stuff. It can be an exercise in euphoria, frustration, action that just pumps your adrenaline. And it surprisingly holds up with a lot of what I find to be very important messages to pass on to all genders, everybody. I think everyone, everyone needs to kind of take the the satire and the commentary with you know uh, the the biggest uh, grains of salt that you can and just in, enjoy a very beautiful stylized world that Cartoon Network I think is mostly like that kind of era you know with that iconic Gendy Tartovsky uh Hanna-Barbera you know late 90s aesthetic I think that they've always kind of kept that edge and that energy and that brightness even you know moving forward into the 2000s and the 2010s uh and then hopping back into Disney real quick because I gotta just say even though they make their scripts even though they've really got my ire and they're the reason i'm not on twitter right now that is true look it up or talk to me if you need to dm me uh there is something about disney that i appreciate when they do it right and that is preserving historical excellence and the history of animation which they're pretty much much almost single-handedly responsible for in the west apologies to mesmer and fleischer uh 
look at Quack Attack if you ever have the chance, folks. Uh, as of this recording, it is still available to view on YouTube uh, in you know full. You know where to look, and it is basically an archive uh, from the beginning of Walt Disney Animation in the 20s, you know, their black and white cartoons up until the show's release, which was the mid 90s. Just all of their shorts, everything they've ever done, even some segments of stuff like Fantasio made it in or Make Mine Music. Like, just take a look, folks. If you have any sort of interest in the history of animation, especially the best, the cream of the crop of Disney's animation, I guarantee you my extensive VHS recordings of these over the years on the broadcast of Disney Channel on TV, the television, the boob tube, I have more shorts in this VHS collection that I am physically looking at at my desk right now than Disney Plus has on offer on their Disney shorts list. Fact. That's T. I'm not kidding. Careful, Jack. It is Careful. a full shelf. Careful, they, It's a full shelf. They, the lawyers might come after you. <laughs> that The lawyers might oh, yeah. want those. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they can come and take it for the right price. <laughs> you know those Disney lawyers, they don't screw around. Yeah, well... Ask George Lucas. They can't find Buzzy, huh? Oh, God. Well, where's Buzzy, Disney lawyers? Haven't been hearing about that uh, for over a year, Orange County, so... uh, Chop, chop. (laughs) What was that factored out again? Over hundreds of thousands of dollars? (laughs) And we won't even bring up Song of the South. But anyway... (laughs) Let's move on before the Disney lawyers shut this podcast down as i'm recording it uh video games this is a podcast that more or less revolves around nerdy shit so i guess we have to talk about video games too uh i will admit while i have a current generation console and have bought pretty much one for each generation of the last 20 years I kind of consider myself a fake gamer. Uh, granted, I, I have that old school fighting game side of me that loves the likes of Tekken and Mortal Kombat that have been a part of my entire life. Tekken, Mortal Kombat, the Soul series. Uh, I, I have also as a longtime PlayStation gamer, uh, Katamari Damacy, Spiral the Dragon, Crash Bandicoot, your, your PlayStation platformers. Uh, and again, platformers are very near and dear to my heart because of my beloved childhood Sega Genesis. So, of course, I could go on and on about Sonic the Hedgehog, Vector Man, Toe Jam and Earl. You know, I'm, again, kind of like with Disney, never really did much with Nintendo. Growing up, I had a Sega Genesis. My older brother had a Dreamcast. Uh, We never got a Sega Saturn, but I did have a Genesis a Game Gear, and my older brother had a Dreamcast until I eventually got my PlayStation. So all of this out there with all of the Nintendo stuff, it's all kind of periphery to me, but maybe that's why I think I'm such a fake gamer, because I don't really do any of the Nintendo stuff at all. But we can talk Tekken. We can definitely talk Tekken. And Mortal Kombat, and Sonic, and pretty much any platformer on the PlayStation of like the last 15 years. Those are my video games that, that I really get down with. How about you, Jack? I know I know you can cover the Nintendo stuff way better than I ever could. Well, 
on the side of, uh, you know, fake gamers and all that, I have to say, I also do not keep up on the most recent up to date most of the times, unless it's something like Blaze Blue, Blaze Blue Cross Tag, which I have really been enjoying Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. Uh, and I might be picking that up for my brand new Switch Lite, which I finally don't need to deal with joint custody anymore. But David, I don't think you're even good enough to be my fake gamer because <gasps> the most recent game that I bought for my Switch was Mario Tennis Aces, which came out almost two years ago. But damn it, I wanted to play tennis as the disco purple boy Waluigi. I had to. And yeah. you know what? I think I am entitled to that. I think I'm entitled to my one indulgent sports game purchase because that game is also a fighting game of sorts. I've gone extensively to bat for that game. <laughs> That's just like a windjammer. But uh, like it's it's a sports game, yeah. but it's everywhere in the fighting game scene too. Indeed, and I would love to see more of this uh, picked up because it's still really really hot. It's good stuff. Lots of uh, I'm finally being able to play it a little bit more full time noticing the differences between characters and how they handle and stuff like there's some really good stuff you could really do some really interesting tournament stuff with this um i do have to say though the uh buying online separate nintendo for shame i know i think xbox does that i think microsoft actually has you do that as well but mm, no good uh but you know, I can cover the Nintendo stuff, but I tend to really veer towards more of the classics, David. I like uh, Super Mario RPG, a Super Nintendo hidden gem right at the end of its life and the beginning of the Super uh, Nintendo 64 shelf life. Really excellent uh, Square Enix Nintendo collaboration that I have recently started to run uh, randomizers that have been made into a full open world uh, RPG kind of in the vein of Final Fantasy IV Free Enterprise, if anyone's familiar with that mod. But just a really solid game, and it, you know, is always a surprise every time I play it, even when I'm not randomizing it and modding it up over to hell. And I love Cuphead. I think everyone who knows me and knows that I care about animation knows that I adore Cuphead. But I think that I always got to mention some obscure stuff. I got to mention the ones that I always have to go to bat for. I have to mention them so people will know they exist. And David, I think Talk the, the me, 2018 gem Under Hero, I think Under Hero uh, is quite possibly the best uh, RPG Steam game that came out that year. If not even the best Steam game. And no one talks about it. No one cares that it's $15 right now. And if you've ever played a video game ever and like tropes whatsoever, you'll enjoy this. Do you want to be the bad guy? Do you want to be a shy guy simulacrum that says, you know what? I'm going to rob my boss and take all of his stuff because I'm tired. <laughs> You will love this game. It's now, wish fulfillment at its finest. Everyone, uh, for a, a quick primer, for a little bit of backstory for, for APOS, uh, when we did APOS last year, uh, everyone out there knows that Jack was one of what I liked to call the Council of Twelve. Uh, and <laughs> in that regard, it was owners of the PlayStation Vita. And what I love is that with this Steam game, Under Hero, that Jack mentioned, uh, Jack always bought 
something that no one else was talking about, especially <laughs> if it was handheld and it was on the PS Vita, or if it was something on Steam or on PlayStation that nobody else was talking about anywhere. And I absolutely love that. So that is absolutely going to come back and that is absolutely going to stay around. So anybody out there, if you check out Under Hero, please let us know. We'd really appreciate it. We, we definitely want to know that. And uh, this sounds like uh, another RPG game that really caught a lot of attention that has a little bit of self-awareness, but it looks and sounds overall very well composed and very well put together, uh, just like another RPG that has the word under in it. So uh, I, I think mm-hmm. this might be one you, you want to check out. It's called Under Hero. How's the music? How's the music? Oh. The music is available to listen to on Spotify if you've got that, that, and it is excellent. Liet motifs that you will be humming over the course of the next few weeks. Beautiful, triumphant orchestra mixed with chip tune, mixed with just the weirdest kinds of instruments. You're going to love it. You're traversing anywhere from funky tree roots to disco-inspired uh, factories. It's all great. All right, Under Hero, everybody. Let's check that out and let us know. Let us know. At me at Call Me DJM. Uh, send Jack uh, the word, the good word over on the grams at Duck Behind the Wheel. Let us know if you play that. I, I'd really like to get people's takes on that one. And now, as I look in the show notes, it's it's time for us to offer some takes because this is a podcast where uh, Jack and I give opinions and we talk about stuff and we'll occasionally have guests on and we'll talk about stuff with them jack uh, before we took a break from apos uh there was something that came out and as we were talking about when we were going to start doing the podcast again uh, you and i both knew that i was going to have to address this eventually there's a movie coming out starring sonic the hedgehog it's live action the Sonic the Hedgehog live-action movie. Now, originally, Jack, when the trailer first came out, I pretty much blacklisted it. I put it on an embargo and said, no, hard no. The hardest of hard no's. We're not discussing it. We're not talking about it. Because, as we all know, that trailer was a bag of mashed ass and broken Dorito chips, and everyone hated it. So the animation studio went back and redid some things and it came out better the Sonic of the hedgehog live action movie is coming out in february jack uh, before the the sonic fan offers his soliloquy tell me how are you feeling about it well david uh before we even get into any of that i do have to inform you of some news about the animation studio yeah, that is responsible that is unfortunate for, yeah yeah we're uh, that flew in the face of Hollywood crunch culture and said, we need to take a little bit more time. We need to fix this. We need to push back the release date. And they did. And they worked really hard, really hard and they shut down. Uh, so that's the bad news. The good news is, David, I believe that there is a bit of a job fair going on for these talented, talented uh, animators and visual effects artists. But. I got to say, as a kind of a normie to the Sonic series of having really been introduced to it in uh, the era of Mania, this is looking pretty hype. I got to say, I 
like the actors. I like James Marsden a lot. I think that he he might have an interesting, you know, way to play off of this, even if it might get a little Alvin and the Chipmunks or <clears throat> Garfield 2004 for me. <sighs> you know, I recently watched rewatched The Craft and uh, John from Garfield was in that and now I can't unsee it. Anyway, uh, just seeing this recut trailer and seeing how they not only upped the uh, expressiveness on this character in, you know, uh, Sonic, who, by the way, voiced by the, the ever typecast Ben Schwartz, he's just always going to play bubbly blue cartoon characters for the rest of his life. And I think he's doing it on purpose now. First, good Dewey, you can get it. Then Michelangelo. Now, Sonic. It's just, it's going to be blue, 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 blue boys. I think he's doing it for the fan art. <laughs> so everybody can just waste all their blue. Maybe well, not he waste. wants to start a blues band. Uh, the new blue man group. I'm ready for it. <laughs> but just seeing, just seeing the, uh, you know, the, the energy finally, you know, matching the vocal performance of Ben Schwartz, seeing that they even tweaked uh the, the Eggman uh, bots and mechanisms in some of the shots, as people have pointed out in some uh, comparisons compared to the original cut, is looking really good. Uh, but David, you know a lot more about the lore and the, the sort of uh, state that Sonic's been in. And I have to ask you something very important. Talk to Do me. you think that Sonic's state do you think that his state in the film as kind of a loner, as being an outcast from his planet, do you think that that's going to tie in in a meta fashion to how he's being treated as an IP, sort of as a cultural laughing stock in some uh, corners of the Internet over the uh, the years? Do you think that there might be something that go a little meta with that direction? Well, I think it's one, possible. one thing that the Sonic franchise and the people behind it at Sonic Team have been very good at in recent years is self-awareness. Uh, there may be no character better at being self-aware than Sonic Team and Sonic the Hedgehog. So I definitely think that's a possibility, and I think that uh, everyone at Sonic Team looks at what they do and who they are with a certain level of loving tongue-in-cheek humor. So that would not surprise me at all, especially with, in the trailer, they actually showed Sonic coming from another planet. That planet might be, in fact, Planet Mobius. It might be. Uh, who's to say? We shall see. But if you would have told Knocking me... Knocking on wood that it is. If you would have told me, Jack, if you would have told young 11-year-old DJM in 1995 that there would be a Sonic the Hedgehog movie with a computer-generated Sonic in live action that actually had Jim Carrey. Now, keep in mind, in 1995, there may not have been a bigger comedic actor than Jim Carrey. He he may have been arguably the biggest comedic star in the world. If He was up for Bruce me, Wayne, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he got the Riddler instead. Yeah, uh, if which you is would, fine. If you would have told me that there would have been a live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie with Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, I would have said, that sounds amazing. I will be camping outside the theater. Today, 
in the year of our based god, 2020. I'm not quite at that level, but I still think everything is pointing to me saying this might actually be pretty good. I'm trying to be more jaded and more objective than I actually am, but the trailer was entertaining. The redo of Sonic was well done. Jim Carrey looks like he has not lost a step in God knows how many years. I don't know how he's still able to do it, but he does it. And I guess my only quibble is that they took Gangsta's Paradise out of the trailer. That was the one thing I would have left in. I'm trying my hardest mm-hmm. not to be super duper hype about this, so I will say I'm I'm intrigued. I I'm hopeful. I'm positive. I think given that Sega and Sonic team have shown themselves to be very self-aware regarding Sonic and where he stands in pop culture and where he stands in video games and where the Sonic franchise has been over the last 20 years, I feel like this just might be okay. It just might be okay. I don't know if I will be seeing it that night on the premiere night in my Sonic hoodie. I, I might, I might not. I, I might want to do that with some friends J- just for moral support. I might need to do that. But I'm moderately excited to see it because either it will be good and everyone will be happy because everyone's happy when Sonic things are good whether it was Mania, oh, whether yeah. it was Generations, whether it was half of Sonic Unleashed, well the, the nighttime. Sonic Boom the cartoon Sonic Boom the cartoon. When Sonic properties are good everyone's happy and everything's great. When Sonic releases are bad there. He gets Sam classic really Sonic fan memes. Bad. We're really bad. And I turn into that fan. That's who I turn into. <laughs> and I don't want to turn into that. That he has a YouTube channel now that he just does Let's Plays. No, of course. He is still going strong. Of course. Well, I mean, I, I got to say, though, you know, kudos to him for, for rebirthing, you know, going through a metamorphosis of. You know, going from a literal meme to uh, just kind of enjoying yourself and enjoying the status you have. Because if you look, his very, very first Marcy, uh Let's Play video is titled, It's a Frickin' T-Rex. So you know he's got at least a little bit of sense of humor about himself. Can't say the content's any good. I can't really speak for it. I haven't seen, seen any of it. But he is out there and he is happy. And that's all that matters. That is one thing about the Sonic fandom is that we've had to learn is to not take ourselves as a fandom so seriously. Now, if we would just get rid of the weird fan art, we'll be okay. But I guess that's what happens when it revolves around anthropomorphic animals. I just kind of have to deal with that. Speaking of anthropomorphic animals, Jack, we're going to jump uh-huh. ahead a little bit and we'll we'll go Ooh. back to a couple of other these things in a little bit. Normally with APOS, I like to keep things tight. I like to keep things timely. But since this is our comeback episode, this is our soft reboot, we're going to stretch this out for a little bit. We're going to play this out. Speaking of anthropomorphic animals, Jack, since we brought up a movie that 
I had to talk about. I know you wanted to talk about cats. Oh. All right. Well, here's the thing, David, and uh, previous APOS listeners and new listeners, just to bring you back up on the lore. The internet went haywire when the trailer for this came out. I, I would it say completely. I would say, Jack, it went catch, it went cat shit crazy. It went cat shit crazy. No one was happy with it. Everybody had to go out and give I, I have to say it, their normie ass opinions of, oh, this looks weird. And I had to be the big boy and stand up and go. Y'all are not the target for this. Y'all do not understand or care about musicals because you think they're weird. And Hollywood will keep doing weird gimmicky things things like this until you stop whining. But it's bad. So so what do you think of it? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's the big joke. That's the big punchline is, you know, I said all that. I went in, you know, saying it might not be that bad. And to to be fair, David, it's really sad because the set designers, the practical effects, everything in terms of artistry, they were trying to shoot this well. They did everything. It's got a strong cast. They possibly could. Yeah, star-studded Ian McKellen, everything, the, the ca- everything. The cast is Marvel movie strong. It is a who's who. And say what, you know, even though I have really strong opinions against her, they got Taylor freaking Swift to co-write a song with Andrew Lloyd himself. So there was a lot going into this. We and it's Judy so sad. Dench for this. Damn, Judy Dench. And it sucks. I mean... So the main thing is going into this, the visual effects on the cast are not finished. We went into the monster cut because I have a cheap ass theater in town. And in the same shot, David, this isn't even Steven Universe levels of cut and the character is taller. This is in the continuous shot you are watching of these abominations dancing and making every impure thought you've ever had just recede. You'll never feel sexual again. You will become asexual watching this. Every moment that they move shoe on no shoe which is amazing which is amazing because the main thing that i heard from people watching this movie was the fact that it was completely horny on main these are some horny ass cats it's so horny but not good horny it's not nothing i can't think of a furry who would like this it doesn't have anything that i've ever seen in any kind of anything in the literal decade that furry is of dominant art scene on the internet whether i liked it or not i can't see anything in those you know examples in these cats these are not cats these are not furries these are not anthros they're just some kind of hell beast made to harm you and make you feel really really uncomfortable about the actors that you once loved i think i i think ian mccallum puts it most perfectly when his character forlornly sings the theater is not what it was and I got to say, this movie makes I me think. question. This movie makes me question my belief that Idris Elba can do literally anything. Yeah. It, here's the deal, David. People have tried to make 
Cat's, you know, a motion picture. There are many people right now who are dragging up concept art from the Steven Spielberg animated production of Cats that they were going to do that was scrapped. And that stuff is damn good. If you look at literally any artist anywhere on the Internet who in, has in, has an, even a passing interest in the musical, first of all, most of us are going to acquiesce. Yeah, it's really not that good. It doesn't really have a story. It's whatever. But it's really not for anyone but the actors. You know that all these people signed up onto this because they were able to sing a song about themselves for three minutes and be really aggressively sexual and think that maybe the mocap will cover it up. But, oh, David, there's just so many messes I don't even know where to begin. Do you Might think, as well Jack, just with, not even with the word that it will be getting a, I guess, DLC update, <laughs> as they're calling it, with with the with the look and the visuals being worked on and and retooled and fixed. Do you think it will be better? I think it could be better, um, but I it won't change the overall content. Which I have to say, there's some stuff. I mean, like I said, the mo the movement. The motion are unnecessarily horny. It, not not good. Uh, characters wear clothes, although most cats are nude. And the removal of clothes, which will inevitably happen, makes them all the more naked. But David, if you've ever looked at uh, production photos of cats, I can't imagine why you <laughs> would. But, you know, if, if you ever peruse on the Googles, like... The costumes they have are fine. They're obviously, you know, more representational than actually, you know, meant to look like literal cats. But I really feel like that's really the direction that you have to go. And the sad thing is they kind of do that for some of the characters that are wearing clothes clothes. Like um, Rebel Wilson's character looks like that for a brief moment. And then she mm, takes off her skin. Um, I think the... uh, you know, the ubiquitous uh, cat that sings Memory, which was melodramatic, melodramatic to the point of meme meme status. You know, as soon as it queued up, I just was thinking to myself, oh, God, I, I want to laugh so hard. But there's older, distinguished people were, in the audience you were who are witnessing taking it seriously. The bir- you were witnessing the birth of a meme in real time. Yes, I was. <laughs> I, I wish I could have been there in the audience when people were at the premiere of Joker watching uh, Joaquin Phoenix say, you wouldn't get it. But, you know, I got I got the consolation prize. You know, I, I just there's so many things I would ch- change that I don't think that it has a chance of being good, but it has a chance of looking better. And all I can say is it's it's just a shame that. Hollywood's just so divided against itself of we should really try and appeal to the musical cat, you know, the musical audience, uh, get their butts in seats. So we'll make everything practical. We'll make everything really well shot and we'll really put our all into this. But we got to get the normies in the seats. So let's put in some, you know, mocap gimmicky visual effects that are really just going to get all those Lion King 2019 fans in the seats. Like, no, (laughs) you don't have to do that. Sometimes you can just stop. That went well. Sometimes you can just stop because, yeah, no one wanted that then and no one wants it now. Speaking of cats, David, there's some more ugly cats that are gracing my eyeballs these days. Yeah, Uh, I just saw this today and I wanted to speak with you about it. Uh, This new, uh, for all of the praise I laid upon Cartoon Network earlier in the show, they've had a few duds. (laughs) 
And I, I want to talk about mm-hmm. Thundercats Roar. Uh, I saw this earlier today. It looks like it just broke. It just premiered. And the only thing that I could think of was, all right, well, OKKO OK got canceled, but it looks like everybody on that show bounced back pretty quickly. Because, whoa, <laughs> mama. I'm not even on Twitter, and I remember seeing seeing a, a, a joke poll that Ian Jones put up on his Twitter of, okay, what OKKO uh, spinoff am I pitching? And I think the joke is <laughs> they just moved to Thundercats Roar. It, it looked like they all bounced back from OKKO pretty quickly, because god damn. <laughs> oh, that's, that's rich. That's really... And it's so sad, because David, this is the year that we're finally free of a pretty interesting, uh, you know, change of uh, leadership in Cartoon Network. We're moving on from the individual who is responsible for introducing live-action programming to the Cartoon Network. So I had a good feeling about this upcoming decade for all CN. I was hoping maybe they could, you know, move past their proprietary house style that literally everything looks like since Adventure Time. And folks, I'm going to say it right now, here's the tea. Adventure Time is not a defining you know the decade i mean y'all are gonna say it is and it most certainly is everywhere but it ain't that good no it kind of fell it. apart it, it, adventure time no, kind of fell apart just, i think it could have been two or three different shows cut into pieces and, and, and remove I, finn and jake entirely i, I and feel get like a different art style adventure time and this is something that i want to get into with thundercats uh adventure time at its core was a show that could have been everything Justice League was. Uh, a action show with story and character and heart and a beginning, a middle, and an end. But it got I got the impression uh, with Adventure Time that it, it didn't really n- expect to be as big as it was. And for maybe the entirety of that show, they were really making things up as it went along. And it just kind of never really put it together as well as it could have been. And that really brings me back to Thundercats Go. And I have an issue with it. Uh, just <laughs> Not just the whole modern cartoon network style i i hate to use this word because now it's become derogatory the the cal arts movement i i hate using that but it reminded me jack do you remember in 2011 it got one season the thundercats action animated series got appropriately enough a bit of a soft reboot from the original show from the 80s it was the thundercats yes. and it was will friedel the voice of terry mcginnis from batman beyond playing lino and it was uh, this was a show that was well animated it was building a story it was building characters and lo and behold an action animated show in america that didn't always go back to its gags it was uh, almost a straight dramatic action animated show which you really don't see anymore 
It Which was I guess, like Avatar played straight, I believe. Is a, it's is, probably one of the best comparisons, and I can't recommend it enough to people who, you know, you know, are interested in good Thundercats content. Unfortunately, it only got one season. And now mm-hmm. we see Thundercats roar, and I'm saying to myself, oh my god, this is literally, they're doing exactly the same thing they did with Teen Titans that they're doing with Thundercats. It's exactly the Girls. same. And w- Everyone will forget Powerpuff Girls because it was inferior in every conceivable way and there's nothing noteworthy about it. But yeah, they keep doing this. It just keeps happening, man. And it, it almost seems like this version of Thundercats is more like Teen Titans Go uh, because it looks like they're just going straight wacky. And mm-hmm. I don't mind that in a lot of aspects. I think that's one thing where, um, God, you just said it and it slipped my mind. Uh Okay. Um, Adventure Time? Not Adventure Time. um, Where this show is going fully wacky where Thundercats didn't. And I I feel like the idea of doing a straight action show in America uh, for animation has kind of been lost in the mainstream. And that really bugs me because... I, I think it still can be done. Uh, maybe with the advent of Netflix and, and Hulu and Disney Plus, that will become more of a thing. But I always remember that the best shows were action shows that told real stories. Where was there comp- comedic relief? Yes, of course. But they were telling a real story. Uh, we can all go all the way back to the 90s, and I'll give you the prime example. Gargoyles. Uh, that that show, yes. while Disney kind of forgets it, like in their original announcement for Disney+, Plus, uh, they mentioned all Hello. of the anima- animated shows that, that were going to be there, and then everyone reminded them, hey, Gargoyles. Where's gargoyles. And then because- the... the the Disney Plus yeah, Twitter account yeah. was like, oh, yes, Jesus, yes, we totally have gargoyles, guys. Our bad. Sorry. That was <laughs> that was not on purpose. And that's kind of how I feel. Uh, gargoyles, Justice League, Avatar, the animated shows that can tell a story without it being kooky and wacky. We had yes. that with Thundercats. We had that with Teen Titans. And now we don't. And let me preface all of this in saying, I like Teen Titans Go. And I'm a grown-ass man in my 30s. I like Teen Titans Go. I went to go see the movie. And the movie was fine. It was funny. it was. But I do think that we still have a market for action animation that tells you a story. I definitely think it's still out there. And seeing... Thundercats roar such as it is it just reminded me of how bummed I was that Thundercats uh, in 2011 got canceled the way it did and that just that just bummed me out aside from the fact that well once again it kind of looks like OKKO 2.0 I gotta tell you David I think what Cartoon Network and, you know, this goes on to my favorite scapegoat show as well, which I I think we might discuss a little bit. But um, Cartoon Network has ideas, but then when it goes into finally 
putting them into practice, into fruition, into completion, execution. They're just not taking the right direction with any of their projects, I don't think. You know, you have something like Adventure Time, which is just spread out and there's too much that you're trying to juggle in the air. There's too many characters. The art direction literally ruins your house style for decades, which you shouldn't have because the the entire channel was, you know, one show after the next looked completely different. And, you know, the genre wasn't kooky action adventure comedy all the time. Ah, man. You know, moving moving forward into that, I, I'd like to see, you know, with this new change in leadership, see the more focused, uh, you know, showrunners that maybe don't just have, hey, I have this idea for the ending of season one with this one character, but, but I don't know how the four main cast are going to fully develop or if they've ever discussed any kind of conflicts at length. And yes vague and about steven universe so let's just jump in uh on yeah, our I break we gotta. everybody uh jack and i would still talk every now and then and one topic that kept coming up was steven universe uh i think both jack and i have varying opinions on steven universe uh and i will say uh in between us doing the podcast the steven universe movie came out and now we've entered steven universe future I really enjoyed the movie. I, I think that it so tied, did I. it tied up a lot of loose ends. It gave us a character in Spinel that was obviously very popular if you went to any conventions in 2019. And I thought the music was pretty good overall. Maybe not some decent the and- best that has come out of that franchise, but pretty good overall uh i i enjoyed it uh, quite a bit props to uh the diamonds andrew sisters homage number because i gotta say um it took me a minute to realize that that's what they were uh you know taking homage because mm, if it's not completely blatant with this show it can get really vague but you the, know the show there, is, there's some really good the, stuff and then there are moments where where steven universe is almost family guy and how obvious its references are oh well Good. I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Let's Ooh. talk about Steven Universe Future. Uh, I think you yeah. might have stronger opinions on Steven Universe Future than I do, but I will say that I am enjoying, dare I say, the crew at Steven Universe Future doing something called foreshadowing and storytelling. How about that? You don't see that much anymore in American animation. Foreshadowing and storytelling. Nope. And, and having a bit of a message, dare I say. Uh, as we know with Steven Universe Future, Steven uh, is now 16 years old. He is... He's 17 now, actually. 17. So he he's a young adult. He's growing up. And I... I think about the the kids who are growing up who started watching Steven Universe when they were young and I, I really hope that they're watching this show and it is helping them with growing up because they're seeing Steven go through these things where people are moving on with their lives, relationships are changing, and Steven in some ways is growing up himself. He's running low homeschool. Uh, the Crystal Gems aren't really kind of 
they are still trying to mom him a little bit and he's getting a little tired of it like hey I'm growing up I'm 17 I can I can be uh, my own man in, in some ways and he still has his relationship with his father Steven Greg Tag Universe. was a great episode Steven Tag was a great episode and I think that's, that was that's like the epitome of their comedy mixing with their filler mixing with character moments in the 11 minute runtime just really really well and keeping some superpower gem action in there like they got everything they checked every checkbox i think that they possibly could with that it really hit home the the story points that I'm talking about. It's uh, the one of Stephen is growing up, and everyone is dealing with moving on and growing up in in time and over the last few years, like like we all do. And also, growing up isn't easy, uh, and Stephen is having a hard time with it. That that has been the arc that has been sprinkled throughout the show that uh, Steven is having moments where he's having a hard time dealing. He can deal at sometimes and he's okay, but sometimes he's not and it's getting a little out of control at times. I like the story that it looks like they're telling. I don't want to give this crew and this show too much credit, but it looks like they are putting in things that uh, what I criticized Adventure Time for. It looks as though Steven Universe Future clearly has a plan of where they're going, and I can respect that, and I can see where it's going, and I see the themes and I respect what they're trying to do. So, so far, I'm giving Steven Universe a th- future a thumbs up. So far. How about you, Jack? Well, uh, a lot of people who have been, been following along or... Oh, good job, Jack. It came right out of the stand. Uh, a lot of people who... You know, you know know me or have been following along know that steven universe is one of those things that i really love to return to to sort of flex my i guess critical muscles and just really pick apart what a lot of modern animation tends to get wrong now that steven universe itself is over and is wrapped up with the movie it still carries over some of its bigger issues that were really evident in the later seasons where nobody, and I mean nobody, nobody in the fandom liked it. Uh, and just kind of being on the cusp of that, you know, knowing friends who were there since the beginning and just kind of wanting to see this at end, you know, eventually. Like, I'm just here to see this end. I got to say, there have been more instances than not that I have enjoyed an episode because, yes, I think a lot of what you've said is right on the nose. They've been a lot more careful and a lot and a lot more, uh, I think, conscientious of what they're putting in each episode. I still think that there's some things that need fixing, and it's really not something that I think that they're going to be able to do in Steven Universe itself, but. The first thing, David, is they got to get longer runtime. I think something like Steven Universe Future that is so intent on having slow moments of character reflection and development, it needs more time. Time. It needs moments like Gravity Falls had. Not to say it needs to be one-to-one, but Gravity Falls has some good moments where you establish 
the characters, you establish their conflict, you see what they're going on about, you see them kind of internalize things over the course of the episode, and it rolls in to something that snowballs and becomes the conflict of the episode. I think some good examples of this were the Bluebird episode with the final confrontation with Greg. Uh, uh, I think that that was a really good example, but it needed a little bit more time, some breathing room, as it were. Uh, I've mentioned this on my Instagram. I think they could have really milked that for a couple episodes even and kind of had like Bluebird just sort of wandering in the back, you know, and maybe a couple episodes later, the epic betrayal happens. But it looks like that character might come back. They're sort of, uh, you know, again, like you say, they plant some seeds and things like that. Another good one was the uh, cat episode. I think just overall, when they have it right, again, they nail everything when they have the gem action, the moments of developing Steven and his internal conflict and his feelings towards the rest of the cast and his mother. Uh, the animation has definitely been more consistent. There's been some people who have noticed some things, but everything so far has not been jarring and horrible like it used to be. I, I feel like it could just be a little bit better. And the only reason I say this is because everybody, everybody loves Steven Universe. And I think when it comes to that, you need to realize that you you gotta have someone who is sitting there saying that, you know, no, it's not that this show can do no wrong. It's that, you know, no, it, it could, it do a could lot be of better. Wrong. It could be great. It, oh, it could do a lot of wrong, and it has. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think my main problem with it is uh, the thing that carried over the worst is that the gems don't know how to really communicate. Sometimes there will just be moments where they just act completely immature and childish and it can be played off for laughs, but you start to wonder like you guys are thousands of years old and they continually bring this up when it matters. Why haven't y'all talked to each other about, about this? If it really bothers you that much, can, can I throw an idea? It really out there? bothers you. Can I throw go. two go things ahead. out there about that? Uh, one, and I'd always heard this a lot with Doctor Who. Uh, they're aliens. They're aliens. So talking to humans is hard for them. Uh, that would be... I the, mean talking to each other. And to number two, uh, sure, they are thousands of years old, but on Homeworld and in the Great Diamond Authority, there was always a caste system. And there was a hierarchy. So maybe, uh, only until recently, thanks to Steven, uh, they never really needed to talk to one another because of the hierarchy and the gem caste system. Everyone knew their place. Everyone knew their purpose, which is something they talked about, which is why Little Homeschool exists. So maybe they've just never had the opportunity to do those things because it was just never needed until recently. That's a decent point, uh, but I th I think just if if you're talking about a trio as tightly knit as uh, Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl, it just 
every single time that they always draw this out, like since the Sardonyx arc, and I know that's going back to the original Steven Universe, but they hit some moments like this in in future as well, where I just wonder, like, how the, the fuck has this not come up for y'all in discussion? Like, even just casually, like, hey, you know, I really like when we've used the Sardonyx, but there's really no reason to do it anymore. Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe we just do it sometime, just, you know, just for funsies. Done. Solved. Again, I know that that's that example, but if they do you that know, for there, Sunstone, there I'd be like totally okay with it. I would be totally okay with that if they do that for Sunstone. I love I think Sunstone. Need, I think they need to do stuff like that because, like episodes like that, oh yeah, it was just like you really, you really need to talk. And I know that part was mostly Stephen needs to be able to, you know, talk about things like that. And I do say. David, I think you're spot on about the fact that this is finally kind of like hitting some pay dirt for some good, 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 good lessons to teach some youth to think, hey, hey, are you not taking care of yourself? You should probably take care of yourself. Maybe you should get some damn therapy. I and, feel like and also, that's a good thing. Yeah, you're 15, you're 16, <laughs> you're 17. You're going to be going through a lot of changes and you're going to be coming an adult soon. And, and you might not see some of your friends that, that you used to see much anymore. It, it's going to be tough, but you're going to have to learn to live with it. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, I, I see what they're trying to do for the most part, and I really am just giving it the most chances that I can, and I am going to see this through to the end. I just feel like, for the most part, it ends up being a very disproportionate balancing act of, okay, now there's a lot of people talking about their feelings, and you do realize you guys are super powerful rocks with magic powers. You can solve your problems with Okay, you can just talk a little bit because I've got to say this, David, I might sound like a little bit of a child here, but um, if I make a story about super powerful characters that can shape shift and do anything, I think I'm probably going to have them do that a lot because that would be fun and good to animate. Yeah, there is a budgetary standpoint of that. I refuse to think that there's anyone who, you know, is maybe on the younger side of the Steven Universe demographic who is watching this going like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm down for this. Uh, but, you know, that that's that's more of a minor gripe. I get that they're in an epilogue, so it is a bit more con- conversational. But part of me just thinks every once in a while, like, you guys are powerful aliens. But then you get episodes like Steven Tag. It ends up all right. So, you know, I'm going to give it a... B minus right now. I'm going to give Steven Universe Future a B minus. See me after class. We got some things to work out, but I'm rooting for you. And I think you can do better. I I am giving Steven Universe Future a B. I'm saying good work. Uh, I feel like by the end of the semester, uh, you'll have it figured out and you'll be all right. I think we're in for a good finale. Whatever, whatever is going to happen. Uh, a, finale, a finale that we can actually start seeing. Uh, th- yes. th- they're actually planting seeds for. How about that? Can, can you please end? <laughs> end well. I, end well. I, I feel like you know there there were some good points where they 
could have ended looking like at, the James looking at Baxter you, Adventure Time scene in Change Your Mind. Looking yeah. at you, Adventure Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the the animated uh, end sequence in Change Your Mind, I gotta say, like it could have ended there. Absolutely, and I would have been happy. That is undeniably the best sequence in Steven Universe, bar none. But you know, then the movie happened, and that wrapped up things pretty well too. And then they said, "Yeah, we're gonna keep going on with Steven Universe shipped in," and Steven Universe. Just, I, I guess my main. Steven Universe guy it, it, I don't know I, actually that's a joke I always say but I really would love to see Steven Universe Kai you know maybe 20 30 years down the line someone says you know this should have been 22 minutes it should have been 22 minute episodes and we should have uh, actually known what we were doing from the beginning and they can go in they can you know actually establish some stuff like can you know pretty it up a little bit maybe make season four not look like such hot garbage or we can just get rid of season four you just get rid of it <laughs> i don't think there's anything now worthwhile in it just some lapis of paradox bullcrap hey you know I, I i would love to see someone just kind of judge it but who knows maybe someone's already working on something like that maybe hmm. Hmm. jack What's up with Tokyo Mew Mew? What's what's going? You put this in the show notes. Tokyo oh, yeah. Mew Mew. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, David, global warming is real. It's the year of our base got twenty twenty. It's real. It's happening. The end of the world is nigh. The planet's on fire. Bill Nye's mad about it. Uh, there's this little magical girl show that some some folks. Uh, introduced me to early on in my anime career and the anime is not good David and it did not get a good localization this little manga series with an environmental spin on it uh, got picked up by four kids for localization and that was localized to us as Mew Mew Power (laughs) David I'm just going (laughs) to give you the pitch yes Uh, You got five girls because it's always a team of five girls in uh, Tokyo, Japan. Because we don't have Ronin warriors anymore. And they are... (laughs) No. And uh, they fall victim to a genetic experiment gone wrong uh, because of an earthquake and are all injected with uh, the DNA of then uh, endangered species. Of the world. And with these new hybrid powers, they became super powerful and fought aliens who were seeking to accelerate the uh, pollution that humans had already put into motion thus far. And it was a really environmentally charged uh, manga. Like, and, and, you know, the show in in Japanese, you know, in, in its entirety. It's not really well animated, like I said, and the colors are kind of like bleach levels of, oh, he had orange hair? I think you mean he had day glow hair, you know? Like, it, it's it's night and day difference, quite literally. But, but I'd love to see something like this come back. And I feel like moving into talking about our hopes and wishes for 2020, I'm just going to see if I can uh, Stargate make it so and just wish for a reboot it's time global warming is real we're doing it 
we done it. It's 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 happening. And I'd love to see uh, Japan just kind of come back out and say, hey, you know, this is kind of a kind of a, a small classic because this did relatively well in Japan. If I remember like merch and games and spinoffs, like there was a lot of stuff. Uh, I'd like to see this, you know, it'd be it'd be kind of a fun way to fill out a shoujo roster that's pretty much being dominated by Sailor Moon and card captors over the, you know, last three decades, which is just say, you know, they're fine. I just think, you know, there are more timely things to think about. And so I just wanted to, just wanted to bring that up and say it's time. It, it, the year is nigh. Let's do it. Come on, Japan. Hell, I'll do it. Call me. Jack, DM me. If this were to happen, I feel like there's only one person that would lead the dub if this were to get an English dub. Greta Thunberg. I think yes. they'd have to get Greta Thunberg to in the dub. They'd have to t- have her be Ichigo. <laughs> Man, now if I ever meet her, I, w- I wonder if I can ever ask her to say, say that uh, for the sake of destroying our world, but we will punish you. <laughs> I, just I think wanna, she's already said that. Even I just want to introduce her to Captain Planet. Yeah, <laughs> that. I mean, come on. I, I've okay, said for KO, a, notwithstanding, let's I, bring that back. I said for a while that if if there was ever a possibility for like a real life Captain Planet, it pretty much revolves around Greta Thunberg finding four other teenagers with attitude of her age and using the power of of teenager attitude to save the world uh, from the the polluters of mankind and maybe captain planet will show up because i think that's that's the only thing we've got especially now oh man in the year 2020 a captain the planet captain reboot planet good tokyo lord tokyo mew mew American crossover starring Greta Thunberg as Ichigo. I think it could happen. Animated by Cal Arts. <laughs> Cartoon Network presents. All right, so oh, some things that are actually practical in 2020, Jack. What are you looking forward to? Yes. Well, uh again, I just have to see if I can't just bring this to people's attention, you know. Just much like my attempt to make the hashtag legalize Darkstalkers a thing, you know, don't don't disappoint me, Twitterverse, even though I'm not there. I'm gone, but not gone, but not forgotten. Legalize Darkstalkers. Uh, whatever happened to the 2019 release of the Frederator uh, animation being puppycat lazy in space, uh, the much anticipated second season to be in puppycat, which was in my opinion, probably one of the best examples of kind of a Western studio embodying that Japanese anime aesthetic without fully aping it, you know? know? Still maintaining that Western vibe that still permeates classic cartoons. It just seems like there's no news. And I'm wondering if we're going to hear about that in the future for 2020. They're just taking their time. But here's hoping. 
I do remember being Puppycat catching a lot of buzz for a while. Maybe it's just one of those shows that, kind of like a lot of the modern Cartoon Network shows, they're just taking a really long time to animate it. Animation takes 8,000 years to, to get done, so maybe it's just taking some time. Well, that might be true, David, and and they don't have the same problem uh, thanks to Verve. Uh, you know, Frederator's content now just goes directly to Verve, and Verve is where you can catch up on the first season of Being Puppycat if you are not familiar with what I'm talking about. Uh, very cute, soft show, as I've said. Very anime aesthetic. Um, there was a recent uh, or. or article but an analysis of the fact that there's been a huge hiatus in disney's ducktales uh where basically according to the timeline season three there should be a good deal of the uh episodes already finished in production if not ready to air but what happens is thanks to the fact that all of these play all of these uh channels and uh stations are trying including time warner to really uh corner the market on the streaming content they're really more focused on that than the actual broadcast which ironically enough hey disney is uh is ducktales 2017 all in order no this heavily continuitous show out of order interesting anyway that being said i wonder if there might be some kind of a delay like that going on because of any kind of uh, you know, meddling or some kind of a, you know, a chance to uh, hop on some suspicious, specific uh, kind of release date, you know, in 2020 for Frederator. I don't know what they're planning, but uh, maybe we will hear some news or just see a quiet release of Lazy in Space on Verve in the future. I'd be really interested because... Um, I just really like seeing the independent animation scene move forward. And I'm really hopeful after, you know, 2019 that this new decade is going to be a very, very, very good one for independent animation. You know, stuff like Klaus and uh, Hell of a Boss has been hotel. That stuff's really been in the public eye more so, uh, you know, more positively spoken of than a lot, a lot of recent Disney releases. So, uh, it makes you wonder if there's some kind of a turning point there, David. Oh, well. Oh, well. Who knows? Um, I don't have a lot right now. Uh, I have one really big thing. Uh, from the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise, uh, they're continuing to celebrate the the 40th 40th uh, anniversary of the original Mobile Suit Gundam uh, into 2020. Uh, and it will be a trio of films uh, revolving around the novels written by uh, Mobile Suit Gundam director and creator Yoshiyuki Tomino uh, entitled Hathaway's Flash. Uh, right. Hath- Hathaway Noah uh, is the son of Captain Bright Noah, one of my favorite characters from the Gundam franchise, uh, and he is a rebel of his father, and he went on his own path and, and went on his own way, and the novels and this film is where we're going to see how that plays out. Uh, Tomino said that uh, in an interview, once the word got out, uh, 30 years after I wrote these novels, they're being adapted into films, and he's really happy about that, and if you can make Tomino happy about anything, it's, it's special. 
Uh, and he's saying that he hopes that uh, the the messages and the themes of the Gundam franchise and th- these movies will permeate society again because uh, generally the theme of Mobile Suit Gundam is war is bad, people die, and robots are cool. And he's hoping Guns that- kill. And he's hoping that maybe these films will help remind people of that. And when Tomino is really on and when he really has a message and when he really has something to say and when he's really inspired, he is unparalleled. Uh, He is more politically inclined than Miyazaki, who's a bit more of the environmentalist side of things, whereas Tomino has always been more of the... uh, militaristic anti-militaristic war death uh, the human condition side of things and i believe as a storyteller he was always unparalleled and during this time uh, the novels were in the late 80s this is right when uh, gundam in the 80s was still at its peak this was right around the time shars counterattack came out as well so i'm really looking forward to this the, the last few major gundam releases uh i liked gundam nt probably more than most uh gundam thunderbolt was universally praised a uh, fantastic animation storytelling was really on par i feel like with the 40th anniversary sunrise and bandai have really upped their game for gundam and it has really shown and i'm really looking forward to seeing what this will do uh with anime getting theatrical releases i'm expecting this to have a global theatrical release and I'm really excited to see Gundam on the big screen again because Gundam on the big screen is incredible. Uh, space battles, melodrama, war, and all of that stuff. I, I love it. I love it. I could not be happier for you that it is going to be another strong year for Mech because, as you all know, uh, much like you want to make creator of Gundam happy, you want to make David happy with good Mech in the coming year. Uh, you know, David, I've actually checked out a little bit of anime before we started the APOS recording. Isn't that shocking? I tend to not really do that too often. So this is a very red letter day. Uh, checked out a little episode of, uh, the recent Kabuki show, which is a mystery series. And, uh, I would say it's maybe not in line with be the beginning so much, but David, I think you might enjoy this because it <laughs> it's a good mystery series thus far. Uh, it definitely has a heavy homage to Sherlock Holmes, which got me, got me almost immediately. Features names and characters of such. But it sets it in modern Kabukicho Japan with just a really colorful cast. It's got some drag queens in it, which is really excellent, you know. And uh, when, you don't when get you those too often in anime. When you mentioned Kabuchigo, I was like, wait, what? It, do you mean the Sherlock show? Oh, yeah, you do mean the Sherlock show. Yeah, uh, I do I, mean I, the Sherlock show. Yes. Uh, I absolutely loved the look of this show. I, I, I thought yeah. it was just really colorful and, and really fun to look at, most of all. And, yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm going to say right now what it's reminding me most of is if uh, 
Ace Attorney really got wise and decided it was going to go full ham and even go so far as to adapt Ace Attorney investigations, which we did not get over in the States. I would, you know, it's basically just a bunch of colorful, larger than life detective types just milling about being extra. And I'm really enjoying that. So, you know, strong, strong contender right now for, you know, first anime of the year, really enjoying it, having a a good, good time right out the gate. So that it's a good sign, you know, because it, it can be quite a grab of uh quite a heavy ratio of not great to good yeah there's, as you know david for everyone out there apos is not the type of podcast that consumes all of the anime every season we generally mm-hmm. acknowledge that there's a good chunk of anime that just isn't very good at all and we, we didn't like neo yokio no we didn't we don't even and every give time that... I see Toblerone, I get sad. Yeah, it's it not not even ironically. No, just no, not no. at all. You but don't deserve thing... this big Toblerone. But one thing I do like, Jack, is Madoka Magica. Uh, I feel like that was a an anime franchise that I felt like lived up to the hype in terms of themes and visuals and animation. I feel like that that one is quality. And there is a new side story anime series that just came out called Mahia Record or Magia Record. I'm not sure what they're calling it in Japan. It just started as we're recording this i absolutely loved the visuals of it i loved the look i loved going back into this world and i'm really really excited uh i'm wondering where the characters will go uh, i feel like we we might get some some interesting new characters which i'm always excited for we might see some old characters which i'm definitely interested in i hope they don't do a gundam seed thing and just bring back everybody uh, they, they really everyone shouldn't. is here and yeah I, i'm glad to see that madoka has not fallen to history just quite yet now, David, I was going to save this for the plug, but I just wanted to let you know, because you are my friend, you are my co-host, and I care about your opinions. And I've always been pretty stringent on this show's visuals. I think that the witches, the environments, the, you know, Walpurgis, that nightmare realm is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, the magic and everything thing really really nicely done but i just couldn't get past those moe blob faces i always said you know if they looked a certain way if they looked like this or they look like this they look like this and david i'm letting you know and i'm letting everyone know a little bit ahead of the plug that uh in addition to my many possibilities for redesign projects in the future redesigning the cast of things like Steven Universe or U.S. Acres from Garfield and Friends. For you, I am going to include the cast of Madoka Magica on this list. But cool. I don't even really have to worry about Magia Record because this looks like a good step up visually at the very least. This looks really, really nice. And... You know, I, I've always said, like, the you know, the story of Madoka was there. I just, I think that it just needed a little bit of a zhuzh, but it looks like... I feel um, like, for, for me, me Jack, it was 
taking that Moe blob aesthetic and literally ripping it apart. And I think that's what I yes. what I appreciated about it so much more than more than the story and the themes. It was taking that look and just eviscerating it, and and I got a joy from that. I did. <laughs> I, I I see. I I think I finally understand now, David. I I got a little bit of a perverse, maybe psychotic <laughs> pleasure out of seeing cute magical girls suffer. All right. <laughs> you know, that that makes so much more sense, I think. Uh, and I do get the reason why the juxtaposition is there. But uh, at the very least, there is now a more distinct uh, possibility that uh, my design of them in more of the lines of, say, like 90s magical girl, you know, kind of making them look more tender, I guess. And, and kind of, uh, I guess, I guess just judging them in a way that... Uh, you know, I see fit. Uh, we'll see how that turns out because I have I have a good feeling about it. But that that explanation right there that makes perfect sense. <laughs> All right, and one more thing, will real quick for me is the PlayStation Five. You now it's it was announced. It's, it's happening. Yep, it's happening. The PlayStation Five. I'm excited. Uh, I'll let you finish it up from there, Jack, and then let's get out of here. Oh yeah. Uh, well, uh, alongside all the great content there. But happening at Disney, uh, I believe uh, as of this recording yesterday, uh, the new animated series on Disney, uh, Owl House, had premiered. And, you know, everything I saw, the trailers of that looked good. It looked like a mystical uh, kind of fantasy adventure with a decent uh, trio that looked compelling and fun. It's a simple but effective art style. I'm I'm having a good feeling about it. It sounds like everyone had a, a good time with it, so I'll be looking forward to checking that out after this. Uh, also, again, uh, going against crunch culture, although it was due last year, uh, I'm glad they're taking their time. Uh, MDHR Studios has announced that uh, in the year 2020, the delicious Last Course Cuphead DLC will be making its debut. And if you haven't been catching up with Cuphead, please check it out because they've added the option to play Cuphead or Mugman. They've added some extra conditions into uh, getting some bonus bosses in certain uh, stages of certain enemies like uh, check out Botanic Panic, see what you can do over there. I won't give you any more hints, but that's one, for example. But lots of little extra things, just some quality of life changes, some extra animations. They really, you know, they didn't have to do that, but they did that for free. And there's more coming. I'm so excited. And David, not only is there a new Madoka side story, but there's going to be a new chapter of Death Note. Death Note. And it's coming from the creators themselves, fantastic story writer and artist Obata and Oba. Very, very excited. So we'll see how that turns out. But it's a hopeful year. It's looking to be a very optimistic one. Bright future for animation, for anime, for nerddom ahead, David, and a bright future for APOS in turn. 
A bright future for the anime podcast of some sort indeed. Jack, thank you again for endeavoring on this with me. Everyone, please follow Jack on Instagram at Duck Behind the Wheel. His art is terrific. Uh, his Instagram videos are pretty entertaining and very funny. Uh, the, the art is really outstanding. Uh, I, I've said from day one, I saw Jack's sketches and drawings, and I was just absolutely enamored, and that, that still stands today. So everyone follow Jack on Instagram at Duck Behind the Wheel and keep up with everything he's doing. Uh, me, y'all know me, David Majors, at Call Me DJM. I tweet a lot, you know that. Record Breakers, Sports Odds and Ends, Grappalicious, and of course, right here, and, and it's been a long time since I've said this, The Mothership at DeltaJulietMike.com. Once I get the site back up and running again, I'll have everything that I'm doing there. And of course, on Twitter, at CallMeDJM. Uh, sorry about the audio problems there at the end. Something happened. I, I think I've, I've decided Voice Meter Banana is kind of overrated podcasters out there voice me to <laughs> banana i don't fuck with it i don't i'm kind of done with it uh i might just go back to doing it the old school way uh everybody thank you for listening to the anime podcast of some sort we're back we're eventually underway if you're out there and if you want to be a guest let me know we do have guests and yes we are we interested bet. bloggers podcasters youtubers cosplayers if you want to be a guest we're nice. We're, we're nice folks here. We'd love to have you on. Let me know. This is the anime podcast of some sort, everybody. Thank you for listening. Get up, stand up. <laughs>